second hour of the show, rolling right along. Jason Ross here with you. Lincoln Kennedy to join us in just a few moments. Next hour, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Another good week of action. We had a great week five. Some amazing drama around the NFL. The NFL starts tomorrow with the next batch of games, Thursday Night Football, Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. Uh, should be a tough one for the Eagles. Buccaneers have been rolling there 4-1. and one. And Brady, uh, that Brady guy's good, just in case you didn't know. Uh, so we look forward to that. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. Uh, more NBA discussion coming up in this hour as well, including some NBA milestones that are going to happen this year uh, to that are likely going to happen. You just never know, I guess, with injuries and different things. But uh, some of those that we will need to watch for in 2021-2022, including what others are also saying about the Sacramento Kings as some of the previews are out and about. And we'll let you hear a couple of those thoughts, what projections are being thrown out about the Kings, who have looked good, right? Has had, they've had a good preseason. Doesn't mean much, but I think it's uh, their performance, how they've played. They get another opportunity tomorrow night when they will take on uh, the Lakers in the final preseason game for the Kings. So those things are all coming your way. Um, and just more anticipation for for the big showdown Tomorrow night, Game 5, Dodgers and Giants. Um, the NFL story, though, the big, big sports story, the off-the-field story is what's happened with the investigation into the Washington football team. Really, it, it generated with the start and the thought process of what's going on with Daniel Snyder and the way that organization is being operated. And some things came out about that, but if there's 650,000 emails and it led them down a road that got them to John Gruden and ultimately his dismissal, uh, I think there's a lot of people in search of finding out what else is out there. What are they hiding? Is this a, a not a cover-up? Because Gruden, understandably, that had to happen. But that wasn't the target. What's being protected? Why is the NFL not talking anymore? Why did a guy like Mark Davis say, ask the NFL? They have the answers. Was it because he's trying to, didn't want to get rid of Gruden? Or is it, hey, ask the NFL. They know more. There's more going on here. We shouldn't be protecting owners. I, I, maybe there's some somewhere in between. I think there's a lot more that needs to be uncovered on this. I think there will be some people that will certainly do some digging on that, and they should. Um, I think we just have to wait and see. Wait and see where this goes, and as far as the Raiders go, uh, they're coming off just a, a brutal performance, losing 20-9 to nine to the Bears, so that's two straight losses. They're 3-2, and two, and it's just a full regroup now. Now it's Coach Passaccia is in there as the head coach, running things, and and the differences that he's going to have to do on a week-to-week basis, you know, uh, let's go for that fourth down. Let's use the timeout here. Besides all the other things that go on and, and being the last voice that's heard, um, kind of how he's presented himself, leadership. I, I know Mike Mayock today, when he did talk to the press, said he's as good as a leader as he's ever seen. Okay, well, that let, let's see when you're put in the big position how he does. And there's some coaches here that, Get weeded out pretty fast. Now, John Gruden was kind of a lifer. And I had said, nothing's probably going to get him released on performance. This wasn't performance. This was a character and, and misguided emails and bad choices and certainly a character issue. Now, not everybody sees it that way, but that's the way it went down. And he is out, and the Raiders now have to regroup. So I uh, had a chance, as we do each and every Wednesday, 
to catch up with Lincoln Kennedy. And I know Lincoln, uh, you'll hear here, will give us some good perspective on what, what he thinks about where the team is now, his relationship with John Gruden. Uh, it's always great to catch up with Lincoln Kennedy each and every Wednesday. Here was that conversation we had uh, just a little while ago. Well, we always look forward to talking to the great Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, this week, I'm looking forward to it, but not really under the circumstances. It's certainly been a trying week all around Raider Nation. You all know the story by now about John Gruden. But, Lincoln, as we bring you in, um, I, I kind of want to go back, I guess, to Friday. Emails start to surface. They come out. Um, what were you thinking then to almost where we are today? Well, you know, I was trying to uh, pacify the moment, Jason, if, if, if that makes sense, because when the first email came out about DeMarie Smith, um, I really didn't know how to, how to react. Um, with it being such a long time ago, circumstances, who knows, really, because you can't recall that far back, just trying to put it in perspective of where you go from here, how important it is in the, in the, the, the overall scheme and the measure of things where we are today, what to make of it. Um, so I was a little bit thrown off. And then, you know, of course, trying to focus on the game, uh, the Raiders versus the Bears game. And I had a, a certain set of circumstances that not, you know, tied to these things uh, that we're talking about. But, you know, my flight was canceled due to Southwest's, Southwest oh. Airlines interruptions. So I had to drive to Vegas uh, to, to work in Vegas from Phoenix. So it was a five-hour drive to and from. Um, so I have all sorts of things I had to worry, worry about, this, if that makes sense, uh, along with the game. So it was it – was, it was a weekend that initially started off on Friday that now looking back on being 2020, I wish I could have forgotten about, if that makes sense. Yeah, for, <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I don't know if you got any read based on your travel circumstances getting there and, and what you had to go through. Do you have any gauge on if any of that impacted the – because I just thought they were just off all game long. They played yeah. a poor game. Did that have any impact? Was that a carryover into the game? You know what? I, I honestly, I can't say that it does. I, I've, I've got to give the Bears credit. They came in with a sound game plan. They executed well. I think they're a more physical team than I had actually thought you know, previously to that game. Uh, and, and for the Raiders' fact, they were just off. They, we've seen you know, in the previous four games up to that point that they got off to a slow start. They didn't always come out the blocks. And so you know, the way they started was hand-in-hand hand with everything else. Um, but they never woke up in the, even in the second half. And so uh, even when, when they scored that touchdown and, and started, sort of looked like they were going to be in it, it didn't look like the same Raiders. They were just not on the same page. So I don't know if the emails or the circumstances had any effect on the locker room, but, you know, the, the slow start didn't help them as all, uh, uh, again at all. All right, so then we go after the game. John Gruden has to kind of give some answers. At least people are asking about it. Then Monday, just the onslaught of emails, and that was just way too much to overcome and certainly understand where how the Raiders got to the decision, how Gruden, whether the league's behind it. Who, who knows? He is no longer a part of the Raiders going forward. And kind of the shell shock of that, how did you – internalize that how do you think the team has internalized not having really i think who is the face of the raiders is john gruden you know jason even as we talk today i'm still trying to process the total part of all the emails all the things that i read because in all honesty you know i've known gruden for more than 20 years or i thought i, I at least i thought i knew him i've never seen any side of what i saw in those emails if that makes sense and so, you know, I'm not one of these guys who's going to come out and try to throw him under the bus. Uh, he's a fake. He's a fraud. I actually experienced my most successful years 
under his system, along with Bill Callahan and that coaching staff. Um, I went, I was went to Pro Bowls, I was an All Pro, you know, playoff games, even went to Super Bowl under his system. And even when he came back as a coach the second time, I thought I had a pretty good friendship with him. I've broken bread with him. I've, you know, traveled around. I've talked with him often. I've never seen the side that those emails portrayed. And I'm, I'm not trying to escape or, you know, shave off the answer, or just escape the answer of your question. I don't know who I know, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean when it comes to him? You know, does that does that make sense, CJ? Absolutely, because I've said this on the show, Lincoln, that, look, I, I'm only given, you know him far more than I do. We all get the media version, what yeah. we see. I, I can't, I can't right. say what the real man is, but these emails are just awful they're hideous he hit every single kind of target whether that's uh racism sexism uh gender equality everywhere um so i i part of me wonders if two things could be true because lincoln you're not the only one that has come out and said that is not the version of john gruden that i've known but it also doesn't mean he also didn't deliver just you know god-awful email so it's a really weird for you i almost wonder if it's a frustration and mystery going with that's the guy i thought i knew but it's clearly there's another guy in there as well well, I mean, I would have been, you know, no, and, and I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to escape anything, but I, you know, I would have been better served or felt better if he came out and said, you know what, I was hacked. I never did this, mm-hmm. you know, or acknowledged something like that. Because then I was like, oh, okay, I can try to support that because the guy I knew was not the same person that's in these emails. With that being said, because he didn't, I don't know what to think. I've been trying to process it the entire week. I've been confronted with questions. I've been on many interviews. I've been bombarded with just requests and everything else on what's going on with the Raiders. And he has to step aside because he said it himself. He doesn't want to be a distraction. Ultimately, if he stayed in place and Mark Davis didn't fire him, he would have been a distraction if, if, if he didn't resign. So, you know, where we are from then in the early or late last week to, to, to this part of this week, I mean, I'm still trying to process what we've seen and what we've learned. And I honestly don't know what to believe. I don't know who's the real Gruden. I really don't. And, and, and it's unfortunate because, like I said, I've got decades of history with this man, and I still don't know who he is. Yeah, and I guess on the player side of things, I saw uh, Carl Nassib needed to take kind of a personal day. Obviously, we know his story. Um, right. There are many African-Americans in that locker room. I, I just – I know he would have been a distraction. I don't know that he could have gone back in that locker room. I don't know. From a player's perspective, do you think he could have? No, no, I, I don't think he could have. I, and, and what's what's even more disturbing in talking with Mark Davis, you know, the, the NFL went they, – they were they, the NFL was uh, investigating the Washington football team right. on behalf of Dan Snyder. And according to Mark Davis, there were 650,000 emails that were sort of pondered through. The only ones that leaked were the ones that were related to John Gruden. So, you know, they, you know to, to a certain extent, Mark Davis thinks his coach was under some sort of witch hunt and, and was trying to make a scapegoat for the, Washington, for the investigation into the Washington football team. We still haven't found anything that, that conclusively that we can throw against Dan Snyder, that, that, which they were trying to do. So, you know, there's that other part of it. But the, the fact is, it doesn't deny. I, I'm not trying to, you know, overcut, over, to escape what, what he did and what he said. But, it, you know, when you think about it, the, the time, the scope, and why the measures have come out the way they have, you know, the severity of it is now the Raiders are in some, somewhat of disarray. The only way they can right the ship is, is Coach Masachi is going to have to take over and try to, you know, get this team on, back on its winning ways starting this weekend against Denver. Yeah, I, I agree with you on what you were saying there too, Lincoln. So we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider, current analyst on the Raiders radio network on the – 
you know, I, I, I just hope this isn't a league saying, oh, here's our pound of flesh. This has to happen to Gruden. We got him. Well, sure, everything he did, you're right. You can't, you know, turn your eye to that. But the investigations about the Reds, about Washington football team, about ownership, about Daniel Snyder, I hope there's too many good reporters out there. I hope they continue to, to dig at this because I don't want this to be a case where owners are protecting themselves. True story. And that's, that's what it seems to look like, in my, my opinion. It, it seems to look at the scope. Now, I'm not trying to excuse anything that Gruden did. He should be, he's, held, he's been held accountable for what he did in his part that he played in this the disaster. But at the same point, um, I've known uh, and I've seen it during my time in the NFL when the NFL was trying to get people from under ownership uh, situations, how, the length that, that, it, that it's had to go to. And I hope that this doesn't escape the fact that, you know, people who don't think Snyder's a good guy and, and a good owner are, are, are just trying to, you know, overshadow that. Uh, someone, a couple of people had called or texted in, I should say, to the sto- uh, station and even uh, sent me messages going, do you think Gruden will ever work again? And I say, I don't think so, but I guess you'd never say never. I'll ask you, do you think he – I don't know that he can coach again, but uh, broadcast, do you think he's in the NFL ever again? A couple of years will go by, and he'll probably make himself seen maybe on the high school level, the lower level, maybe work his way back up. But, but we've seen coaches who've had – checkered pass, eventually get back in the game, maybe in lesser-known situations. But, um, you know, this is really unfortunate, in my opinion, for John. I know he did it to himself, but this is a man, in my opinion, who, who I thought loved football and was, was really where he wanted to be. I asked him, you know, a couple of years ago when he first came back after he left ESPN, I was like, what are you doing? You're the king of football. You had you were today's equivalent of John Madden when mm-hmm. it came to football with ESPN, Monday Night Football, you know, Gruden's camp, all the stuff he was doing with commercials and everything else. He was the equivalent of a modern-day John Madden. And he just told me, he's like, I miss coaching. I miss this aspect, and that's why he wanted to come back into it. Um, but I think that's forever changed. I don't, I don't know if anybody is going to give him a chance, especially on the pro level, even after a couple of years die down, because I don't think you can. And this, this day and climate, uh, what we're under uh, society-wise, Society-wise, it's, it's not something that you can just uh, brush under the rug. So it might have to start back on the level, maybe high school, maybe a smaller college before he gets back into it. But I, I just don't know if it's if it's, it's feasible that it really happen uh, on a professional level anytime soon. Well, Lincoln, you know this as a player. If you get hurt, next man up, the show goes on, the games go on. It's the, the cruelness, yeah. the reality of the sport. It's a weird shock. I guess it could have just been, you know, coaches get fired and dismissed. Not a lot during the season, so here's a complete dismissal of a guy that had a 10-year contract, was the face of the Raiders, uh, made personnel decisions, and we had his fingerprints all over this team. And you're 3-2. and two. I mean, this season's got a long way to go, and you have a rival with the Broncos. How does Coach Masaccia just kind of try to make this a normal week if there's such a thing? Well, the, I guess if there's, there's any sort of silver lining to what we're talking about, Jason, is the fact that Gus Bradley has done a fairly good job with the defense, and so he'll continue to control that factor. Um, you know, Greg Olson will take over where John Gruden left off as far as the offensive coordinator. He has got a great relationship with Derek Carr, so I think the two of them can put together a decent enough game plan. And Derek knows offense you know, well enough. He's got a check-with-me system built in a majority of the things he does. So he knows the offense well enough and has sort of a pretty good tie on the weapons on how it's just the you know, structure and, and, and guiding him. Olson will do that. Um, with that being said, you know, now Mike Mayock takes over. He's going to have 51% control 
of the uh, uh, of the personnel decisions, and I and the remaining forty nine percent is going to go to Coach Passaccia, so um, special teams coach, interim head coach. So I think things can, you know, they can be good. It's just you know this, and I know this, being in the business that we're in, that winning will cover up a lot of things. If the Raiders are able to beat the Broncos this week, they go to a four and two record. They sort of right the wrongs of the previous couple of weeks, if you will. And then they're able to look forward to, you know, Philadelphia, the bye, trying to clean things up, trying to get healthy, and trying to be better. Those are all things pointing in the right direction. If they continue a downward spiral, this sort of, this sort of dark cloud is going to hang over their head, whether it's Gruden-related or other times. Everyone's going to think the program is falling apart. The Raider Nation is going to come apart. So winning is the way, the way that you kind of right the wrongs or straighten the ship, if that makes sense. Besides literally a different voice in Coach Basaccia, I mean, you have the same position coaches, coordinators. The Raiders are going to look the same. What would be different with a different head coach in a season? I mean, this is pretty unique. How, how will Basaccia be really any different, at least in the short term, than Gruden? I've been in the mindset, Jason, that I think an offensive coordinator needs to be upstairs. He needs to take the emotion out of calling the game for so long Gruden had so much emotions called into the game. He gave, he became predictable, especially on the sideline. Um, I think that's a positive change for the Raiders. I think that they might be able to get away. The fact that they can't run the football is a hindrance in their offensive philosophy. But Gruden had the mindset that he was going to continue to try to push the run, even at times where it just seemed abysmal, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so I think Greg Olson will try to turn that around. Maybe Derek Carr will try to turn that around. Look, their best outing was was when they used the the, the extended pass like the the run. If they were running sideline to sideline like the old Oregon days under under Chip Kelly, uh, where they were where they just had a fast pace. If they can get back to that, I think they can be fairly decent. And I think that's a good sign. Well, now that Gruden will give will no longer have play calling because he was just stubborn in so many ways and trying to hit his head on the goalpost with the run. <laughs> Yeah, and then this last week, again, we kind of touched on it earlier, whether it was the the off-the-field stuff going on, felt like an outlier. I mean, truly their first bad performance, car included. There were drops, Lincoln. Just, it, yeah. Everybody was off. I mean, there was Edwards' wide-open drop. Waller had a drop. They just, yeah. nothing. I don't know that there was a positive in the game for the Raiders. There wasn't. There really wasn't. They were out-physical. They were out-hustled. They were out-strategized in many ways. It was just a very bad performance something that we had not seen all year. And, and look, you know, we can look back and sit and try to attribute it to whatever you want to attribute it. It's, it's not really fair. It just, it, it's one of those things where they had a bad outing and they want to try to make you go away. Yep. Now they get Denver, as we said. You can really right a lot of wrongs. We know what the Chargers have done so far. Kansas City, they haven't quite figured it out. Feels like it's not a swing game as far as the overall long term of the season. But you certainly don't want to lose three in a row. You you get it right. You've got, like you said, the Eagles after that, then a bye. Feels like kind of an important game this Sunday. They're all important games from this point out. Be honest. For everything that this program has been through, especially in the last eight days, this next game and every game after that is going to be important because with 12 games still to go, the season's not over. But you sort of got to rectify. you got to sort of – justify all the hard work and everything that you put in with the the uh you know the, the one-year contracts with the new players being signed the coaching decision everything else has to be righted you cannot allow this john gruden situation to overshadow and just take away from the entire season yeah and then denver as we said kind of a surprise early they've lost their yeah. last couple as well you've played many games there how difficult is is mile high the one atmosphere is great but just the, the uh, altitude 
you know, a lot of people give uh, play into the altitude. And, and I, I remember Wisniewski, Steve Wisniewski was a teammate of mine and should be in the Hall of Fame, just a little side note. Um, he, he told me, you know, he's like, mentally, if you don't think about it, it shouldn't affect you. Yes, the higher altitude is, is something that can come into play, uh, especially if you have underlying conditions. But for the most part, uh, we football players at the time were pretty in pretty good shape. And the Raiders, you know, Las Vegas is a little bit higher altitude. Mm. So they have some altitude issues they have to practice on. So they should be well prepared for it. Mile High is always a difficult place to play in because they can't stand the Raiders. But, you know, <laughs> what what the Raiders can take, take a little bit of solace in is the fact that the last two weeks they played very similar defenses that they're going to see in, De- in Denver. Vic Fangio kind of created the, the defense that Stanley took from – you know, from the, um, uh, the Bears to the Rams to now to the Chargers. Uh, the Bears' defense was Fangio. That's when he, he coached. He had the same defense. The, the Raiders are going to see the three of the similar defenses. So if they learn anything over the last couple of weeks, it should aid them in this week in defeating the, 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 the Broncos. Lincoln, as a Raider player, who hated you? Who did you feel hated you more, Denver fans or Chiefs fans? You know, collectively between the Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos, they all hated us. And I all I hated all of them as well. And they're not taking any solace of having to go into stands in 1999 and knock out some sucker who threw a snowball on my face. But, you know, um, I can't stand the Broncos. I really, really disdain the Chiefs. The Chargers, I didn't ever really have a problem with because one, when they were in San Diego, it was like the ninth home game. So right. it was like going home, and especially growing up. But but even to this day, it's they're all collectively hated the same, in my opinion. Yeah, and I know last week, too, partly the Raiders didn't play great. But, boy, I heard a lot of Bears fans at that game last weekend. You know what? Allegiant Stadium is becoming a, 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 a draw on itself. And there were a lot of Bears fans, and I expect that for the remainder of the season especially since Mark Davis came out with the Legion and said, you know what, we're making vaccinations mandate. You, you know, mandatory. You know how that's kind of separated the country in general. Sure. Um, it's, it's, it's played the same thing into Legion. So I'm hoping that once the Raiders get back on their right ways, that it would definitely be a home field advantage. But there were a lot of Bear fans there this past Sunday. Well, Lincoln, I know there's been a lot going on in Raider Nation, certainly in your life, too. I know it's hit you. Um, football will, will help when you're back on, uh, behind the mic on Sunday, hopefully watching the Raiders play better. And uh, we look forward to hearing that, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, and I'll see you next week, okay? All right, thanks, Lincoln. Lincoln Kennedy sharing his perspective on kind of how it went down in his mind with the Raiders and John Gruden, and then obviously how poorly they played. Uh, but it, it can be a bounce back, a get-right game for them to beat Denver. What a challenge. What a weird situation. And other teams have gone through coaching firings during a season. Um, this one it, it is a weird one. And as we said during that, uh, Carl Nassib, uh, who had come out earlier this year as an openly gay player for the Raiders, uh, said he needed a day today to kind of probably get away, take all this in, um, had a coach that seemingly – was supportive of him, but then said things in an email that would contrast that. I think there were a lot of players that might feel the same way that Lincoln did evenly, even saying, I thought I knew him. I had an opinion of him. I had a better relationship probably with him afterwards. Now as an analyst, as a someone that's gotten to know him that way, as opposed to a player, uh, thought I knew him, but certainly is not trying to dismiss what John Gruden put in those awful emails. So, I truly believe this is one of those things that what everybody is saying might all be true. 
I'm sure there are people that have run across John Gruden that have said, I love him. He's great. I'm all in. Wonderful person. You've heard others. We played the sound earlier about uh, a couple days ago about Keyshawn Johnson. Always thought he was a used car salesman. Never bought into him. Never thought he was anything. Did, didn't, didn't trust him. Might have been a lot of those things to different people. In the end, he is no longer the Raiders head coach. And he is out. And I don't know where he goes from here. I don't know if he'll get a chance. Not sure. Don't think he will. Lincoln thought it was interesting. Maybe maybe a low-level high school. If he still really loves football that much, maybe coaches somewhere else, like at high school level or college level. Who knows? Who knows what will happen for him. But the Raiders, they do have to go on. We will go on. We will talk more about that and other NFL situations with Chris Landry when he joins us at uh, 5 o'clock for his weekly segment of LandryFootball.com. Uh, still to come when we come back, though, let's jump back into the NBA. I'm going to talk some uh, much Kings today. They will have their final preseason game tomorrow. They'll take on the Lakers. But now that the season is uh, one week from tonight when the Kings will open up, uh, what others are saying about this year's Sacramento Kings. We'll let you hear some of that and more as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Mitchell going for three. He picks up where he left off in the first half. That's his sixth main three-pointer of the night. And in eight attempts, he now has a 20-point ball game. Kings will be back at it tomorrow. Final home game of the preseason. Final preseason game overall. One week from today, Sacramento Kings season will open. They'll be in Portland to take on the Blazers. Uh, This NBA season begins in six days with a couple of games. Good opening night. Milwaukee and the Nets. Lakers and the Warriors. So we'll see how that goes uh, starting six days from now. But people are starting to write about the season, talk about the season, project about the season. And wanted to give you some thoughts on that. Also, a reminder, next hour, an hour from now, you'll give you a chance to win Kings tickets over the air. We're going to have a question for you, uh, as we've done each and every day, to see the Kings and Jazz in the home opener. We're also exclusively for our YouTubers going to have a Kings uh, trivia question coming up uh, here in our next segment. So uh, we did that with WWE. We're going to do that with our Kings tickets today. But uh, the Kings, as far as they go, here's here's what we've seen today from NBA.com. They've got their season preview and talk about uh, the West, uh, they kind of broke it down into tiers. They have their championship contenders in the West, and they say the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Suns. They put them in that tier. Uh, How quickly that's changed for Phoenix. They would have been nowhere near that last year. Other playoff teams projected in the West, Denver Nuggets, Golden State Warriors, Dallas Mavericks, LA Clippers. So that's their second tier. Keep an eye on, these are two teams here, Portland Trailblazers and Memphis Grizzlies. Still no mention of the Kings. The last tier is labeled not this year. And in the not this year group, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, New Orleans, San Antonio, Houston, and the Sacramento Kings. Here's what they say about the Kings in that group. If Luke Walton is still the coach by the season's end, that means he found a way to do several things. First, he'd satisfy the playing time whims of three young guards, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and rookie Davion Mitchell. Second, he'd put Marvin Bagley III in position to finally have a breakout season. Third, he'd have spruced up the league's worst defensive team and steered the Kings to at least the play-in tournament with hopes of ending a 15-year playoff drought. Good luck to Luke. Okay, well... If we even take it by the tiers, the Lakers tier, the Lakers, Jazz, Suns, that's three. Nuggets, Warriors, Mavericks, and Clippers get it to seven. 
Blazers and Grizzlies 8-9. Well, one of those other teams has to get in in that play-in opportunity. Um, and so far, if we look at it, just even the way that's worded, the Kings are going to play three guards. They're going to play them a lot. And that's and I think people are going with Tyrese, De'Aaron, and Davion Mitchell. But Buddy Heald's going to play. And Terrence Davis needs to play. I think they need to play all five. Now, some are going to be on the short end here. But I think it's going to be a strength of this team, what we've seen so far in the preseason. The other thing we've seen so far in the preseason is an improved defense. Now, that may blow, not blow you away based on who they've been playing and who's been playing for those said teams. That true test will know when it starts next week and over time. But if you start to look at what happened last year with the additions of, at the time, DeLon Wright, who's no longer on the team, but Mo Harkless and Terrence Davis, the Kings defense was statistically better after the trade deadline. Not, not great. Don't want to confuse you there. It was still a bad defensive team. But I think with the addition of Davion Mitchell, with the attention to detail of how it just has to be focused on, with adding a few more presence-type guys, and meaning Alex Len, you know, toughness there. Certainly Tristan Thompson being a professional rebounder. The Kings were bad in rebounding. Thompson's been a really good rebounder for his career. Those are areas where you could see the Kings seem to have gotten better, but will it translate? Will it do that in the regular season? And offensively, they were actually pretty good last year, and I think offensively they'll be better. So it's what's the combination of offense going to do? How much better will that be? And will the defense, I mean, it has to get better. It just has to. Uh, here's another part of NBA.com's season preview, just focusing on the Kings. Uh, let's see. There's a couple lines here I thought were interesting. Their biggest question is, will Buddy Heald be traded, or will he have even more important role with the Kings? Rather than moving Heald, which was the speculation for much of the offseason, Sacramento coach Luke Walton might want to use him off the bench as a sixth man with a green light. I like that idea a lot. The career 40% three-point shooter has been a reserve almost a third of his appearances in his shot and scored better when starting. The other benefit would be creating more opportunities to use Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell on the floor together with Harrison Barnes at the four. Yes, yes, and yes. Season prediction for the Kings here. All hail Sacramento fans who have hung in the air through disappointment after disappointment. The Kings have drafted in the lottery 15 times in those 15 years without getting enough of a bump from any one or a group of those picks to end the streak. After last season's 31 and 41, it will take two steps forward, not one, to get into the thick of the playoff chase in the West. That won't be easy. Their predicted finish, 38 wins, 44 losses. Well, if that's accurate, that will not be enough, in my opinion, to be in the play-in. Maybe at the fringe of that. I don't think it will be enough, though, based on who's in the West. Um, They project their starting five to be Fox, Halliburton, Barnes, Bagley, and Holmes. Key reserves, Terrence Davis, Tristan Thompson, Davion Mitchell, Buddy Heald. A um, couple other things. Uh, the Kings offensively, like we said last year, were actually pretty good. At times, they they found themselves into a, a top 10 offense for a lot of the season. And they ended, uh, let's see, yeah, they were 12th offensively overall. What that didn't help, what that couldn't compensate for was that poor defense. Just really, really bad. At one point, historically bad. A little misleading in one sense. There were several teams that were historically bad. The league is just scoring more, more three-pointers. I think the defense collectively is worse. Last year at a time, uh, I don't remember at the end of the year, but I know for a decent part of the season, there was only one team holding a team below 100, and it was like a 99. It was the Knicks. It might have cleaned up by the end of the year, 
but everybody was scoring over 100. It was regular for the Kings to get over 100 and to give up. The problem was it wasn't the neighborhood of 105, 107. They were giving up 120s too often early on. Now, it got better, but not enough and not considerably better. As I look at this team, the things for me to watch, again, I love the backcourt. I love it. I think Halliburton's going to have a massive year. He's such a glue player, makes everybody better. Fox is has got all the gifts that you want as a star player for your franchise. Davion Mitchell's been so intriguing, uh, what he's done. How I mean, the game we just played the highlight coming in, hitting six three pointers in that final pre, or in the third preseason game. Um, I don't know if that we'll see him hit six in a game in the regular season. I hope he does, but he was just so comfortable. Um, he obviously works probably too hard if there's such a thing. And he's tenacious. He'll be relentless. He will He will give it everything he's got. Terrence Davis has a knack for scoring a bunch of the stuff we want to say about Buddy Heald. Terrence Davis kind of already does. And then Buddy Heald's got a career resume of, of a, one of the great shooters. So, or consistently, and, and makes threes on a night-to-night basis and will shoot them. So I like those five playing at some amount of minutes separated out. At the cost of what? Likely Marvin Bagley minutes. Mo Harkless minutes, Alex Len, Rashawn Holmes, Tristan Thompson minutes. I think Harrison Barnes minutes won't be impacted at all. I think Barnes is is too valuable for this team, too consistent, such a leader, a lead-by-example guy, and the consummate professional, he's always going to be in. And you get good results. Harrison Barnes had a really good season last year. If I had to do a couple of predictions on individuals, I could see a minute drop for someone like Rashawn Holmes and maybe even production drop, not because he's got the contract he was looking for, not not by any means. I think as a matter of lineup and a matter of options, there are more options now behind Rashawn Holmes. Remember how he was first brought here? It was, well, the last signee and, yeah, Dwayne Dedman, Marvin Bagley, some of these other guys are ahead of you, and we'll see if you make the team. Not only did he make the team, it, it was obvious that he had to be a huge part of what the team was going to do. So now he's been rewarded off of two really good years. And I think out of circumstance with the strength of this team being that backcourt, and if they can get what Luke Walton has wanted from them, defense and rebounding, they're going to have so much offensive ability with that group, they're going to want to play him a lot. And so that costs you likely one uh, front court person. Right at, at a minimum, and I think Barnes is is too integral to what they do and the versatility of him going to four. We might see Harkless doing that sometimes too. But can Bagley be in that spot? Where does he? What kind of season does he have? Alex Len, Tristan Thompson, spot minutes, bigger guys when they play Embiid, Jokic, um, you know, Lakers are here. Dwight Howard, those kind of guys, just big guys, big big guys. I, I could see that those guys getting some run. But separating out the minutes, I think, is the one I want to see as as it counts, as we get there. I mean, right now, like the other day, it was a really nice balance. But let's also remember that Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, Bagley, there were three or four kings that sat out. That makes it easier when you've got three guys you're likely going to play that aren't even available to you. So that, to me, is one of the biggest things to watch as the season gets started next week. How will the dispersal of minutes go, and what is the impact of the minutes. I mean, if the Kings can find it in a more conventional way where they play a four and a five consistently, um, maybe a three, four and a five and only play two guards a decent amount. Sure. But I think 
when you start talking about playing your best players. I think a lot of that's coming from the backcourt. I really do. And it doesn't mean those other guys can't serve their purpose or do what they're asked to do. But I think production-wise, points, assists, impact, steals, deflections. Now, there's other things those bigs do. Rebounding, block shots, control the interior. They're going to need some presence there. But with a wider net of players that probably should play in the backcourt and maybe even to make it three guards, if not four in a crazy lineup at times, I think the front court we're going to see some jeopardized minutes and maybe even production. Not a reflection that they're playing worse, just an opportunity of or just a circumstance of less opportunities is what I see. All right, there will be some NBA milestones to watch for in 2021-2022 across the league and even some with the Sacramento Kings. We'll talk about that when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. So we had a question during the break exclusively for our YouTubers. We thank all of you checking us out there. Uh, looking for our Kings tickets for opening night. We will have one over the air coming up at around 5.30. Question is still out there, and people are all over it. They're all around it, but there's a name that's tripping them up. I don't want to give the uh, question out over the air yet until we get the uh, correct answer. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, good luck to all of you uh, out there still on the YouTube, pursuing that question and answer for a chance to see the Kings on opening night at home against the Utah Jazz. It's actually quite an easy answer. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Remember, I got it pretty quickly. Sure. You did. I did. Yeah. I love how there was one that, that blew you away. But I still got it. You did. You got there. So we will uh, see if the YouTubers keep going. Again, we need the six correct answers. Uh, we haven't seen it. The names have all been kind of mixed around they're all over it but there's one that keeps uh tripping them up so uh we will wait for that uh, for their chance we're still waiting for that correct answer uh things that are going to happen this year this nba season things to watch for besides great action all not all year uh the best athletes in the world in a full 82 game season uh some things that um will happen right barring some sort of significant injury one will be if he continues the pace that he's done LeBron James is going to become the number two scorer all time. He's going to pass Carl Malone. Um, amazing. Amazing career, what he has done. Um, but that's something to watch for uh, this year, moving him from number three to number two. And ultimately, he might catch the captain, Kareem, uh, before all is said and done as he enters year 19. I wonder, though, this year if there's some more rest days for LeBron. I could see that being kind of a theme for the Lakers with such an old team on the main meat of the lineup. There's other players that are going to play. They're going to have some importance to what they do with uh, Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, uh, Talon Horton-Tucker, who I know got hurt the other day, but those guys are going to be important. But a lot of it's Westbrook, AD, LeBron, Carmelo, Dwight Howard, Rondo. Uh, It's a good team when everything is right, but that's the whole thing. Can everything be right? Uh, Dwight Howard, speaking of him. I know that he's kind of had an interesting career, but this is why you have to let careers play out. He's got a championship. He's got a bunch of all-star appearances, defensive players of the year, rebounding championships. He, if all things go right, will move into the top 10 in rebounds in the history of the NBA. So he um, continues to pursue the all-time leaderboard. 
CP3, Chris Paul. He is set to pass a couple of guys in the all-time assist list. Chris Paul, he is going to move past Mark Jackson. He's going to move past Steve Nash this year. And by the end of the year, he will be number three all-time in the history of NBA in assists. He's also moving up the Steel's all-time list as well. Um, Some other ones that I think will be interesting for people that here somewhat locally, obviously, Steph Curry. He's going to track him down. He's going to pass Ray Allen for threes made. Uh, James Harden, believe it or not, is fifth. He's going to move up the ladder as well and pass Corver and Reggie Miller. So it's amazing how the game has changed, how um, threes continue to fly, and I can't imagine it being less this year. We look at what the Kings have done with playing a lot of the three guards. We're seeing the three-point attempts in the preseason in the mid to high 40s. That's above what they've normally done. So it's just a weapon for teams, and the Kings can utilize that as a weapon as well, and I think they will. And then locally here, something to watch regarding the Sacramento Kings. Buddy Heald, we are tracking that last year, and Buddy is five three-pointers away from passing Peja Stojakovic for number one all-time in Sacramento Kings history. And so Peja is number one, Buddy to pass him. That's also a classic example of what would Peja look like now. I mean, a 6'10 shooter like that, when Peja was taking sometimes three, four, five threes a game, he'd be at, at 10 attempts at a minimum. The other day, Buddy shot, I think, 14 threes. Give Peja 14 cracks at it. My goodness. One of the greatest shooters I've ever seen. And I think about that with Larry Bird, um, even some of the other you know great shooters. Reggie Miller would take more threes now. Ray Allen even now. I know he was starting to get into that era, but it's just a different game right now. And I've I've never thought of James Harden as the greatest three-point shooter, but he's moving up, and it's just going to keep happening. Buddy Heald's going to end up way up there. Clay Thompson, um, just some of these. Luka, Dame Lillard, all these numbers are just going to be blown away. It's like if you look at the quarterback passing list right now, it's all guys that have been quarterbacks basically in the last 20 years for the most part. I mean, they've just blown away numbers that, you know, Joe Montana's way down there. Legendary quarterbacks in the game that would have running backs that get 100, 150 yards, and, you know, he's throwing for 200 a week, which is nothing wrong with 200, but in this day and age, that's a low number. So uh, it's just different. It's just different. So those are some of the things I think to watch for as uh, this season of milestones getting ready to uh, be eclipsed as the year uh, commences next week. So for the Kings, they'll have another crack at it tomorrow night with the Lakers. Lakers have had a really bad preseason. I don't know that they care about that at all. They shouldn't. They're thinking about being the last team standing. They're thinking about having a parade. They're thinking about who is our biggest obstacle in the West. Uh, And for them, an older team is to stay healthy. Can they have a healthy LeBron and AD at the right time? We saw what happened with them last year when I thought they would have beat Phoenix. I really do. I think they would have defeated the Suns. They weren't fully healthy. Suns beat them. Suns outplayed them. That's all that matters. And um, you have to go and rely on the health. They have uh, constructed their roster differently. I think there's more depth to the roster and more avenues for some injuries or opportunities to rest some of those key 
center figures of what they do. But it, it'll be a tough for Frank Vogel to figure out the exact way to learn his group, to maximize that rest, to get them ready for what they hope to be, for they, what they hope to be a long run there in the postseason. All right, another break time for us. When we come back, it's our weekly visit with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. A great week five of action to catch up on. Look ahead to week six. Also college football, some takeaways from Alabama going down. Who is the best team besides Georgia now in college football? We'll get into that and much more as Chris Landry will join us when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK.